but for bring us here again together as his people to to seek his face together to um, share of his goodness and to rejoice in him to hear his word praise god for giving us another opportunity by his grace and by his mercy so we praise god for all that god has invested into us so that we can become more like jesus and and do what jesus did so that the blood that christ shed on the cross may have meaning in our lives and that jesus will be so happy that he died for us praise be to god we're going to uh continue in the presence of god praise god for the word that we heard um through pastor deep we praise god um as i was hearing um pastor deep speak there were several things that stood out um um that is um so clearly written by the holy spirit in his word which are so uh, obvious in his word yet um as the bible says in the last days people will go after the teachers who will um teach according to what the people will um want to hear and many will follow it so it's important for us to know the truth it's important for us to know the word it's important for us to stay in the word it's important for us to do the word as we do more of god's word be doers of his word then god will entrust more of his word into our hands so praise be to god praise god for his word our god is all faithful our god is all powerful even from the old testament that we just read just from those few verses from david um written um in in the psalms through the inspiration of the holy spirit we see that that in old testament um saint of god when he was walking upright before god and want to emphasize that he did walk uprightly before god and the emphasis here is it's not just i walked uprightly before man because you can have two sides you know you call that hypocrisy looking clean on the outside and dirty on the inside but david has written so many times through the spirit of god that he walked uprightly before god it's it's a big deal he walked uprightly before god and he was able to go to the lord and say lord i walked uprightly before you and and god rewarded him according to the cleanness of his hands those hands were clean before the all righteous eyes of god so it's a big thing and um <clears throat> when you hear teachings and uh, preachers you know come and say well nobody can um be holy nobody can live an upright life and um god gave us commandments to show that you are really a failure and you can't keep anything it's a lie spewing from the mouth of lucifer through such people so there are many false teachers out there if you know the truth you can easily spot them 
while you are in sin, if a so-called preacher, so-called minister, so-called whatever, believer, comes and comforts you in your sin and say that that's fine, God understands that. You don't have to really be hard on yourself. And they do not lead a person to repentance. That means when the wound is there, infected, the right person to treat that will be a person who knows what it is and who cares about you. There are people who know what it is and they don't care. They'll say, okay, let it be infected and let that leg get amputated. But a person who really cares about you will say, it is going to hurt. But that pus has to come out. It is going to burn, but we need to clean up that area. It is going to hurt, but you're going to get healed. So the process will be painful. And you look at David, when David sinned against God, the woman he married, which was another man's wife, and that man was killed in the battle through the hands of David, Sending a letter through his uh, captain. And now this has all happened. Do you see God come and strike David right there? All of a sudden, David is not able to move his hands and David is not able to move his feet. No. God was watching. Did David repent right away? No. He even got that man's wife and made her his own wife. And now did God do anything at that point? No. Because God didn't strike right away doesn't mean that God is okay with it or God is so compassionate that even though he did all these things, it is fine with God. No. Well, you see that Bathsheba even conceived. Who? Bathsheba. David brings her there and she conceives. You see the child that should not have been there, is now there. We know conception comes from God, but does every conception come from God? Immoral, through immoral means, through immoral living. Because something happens doesn't mean that, well, this is from God. Children are gifts from God, the scripture comes from God, where he acknowledges a relationship that is within his bounds that he blesses. Whether a person is a Hindu or a Muslim or an atheist or a Christian or whatever it is. When they follow God's principle of honoring a marriage and live within that covenant relationship, God blesses that union and he blesses them with the gift for their faithfulness to each other, for their love towards one another. And as a result of that comes a child. That's how it is, and that's how God blessed. God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said, multiply. It's a blessing that God spoke over them. So we must understand that. There are differences there. Then there's this mercy that God goes over everything, like he went to Jephthah, who was born to an who was an illegitimate, illegitimate child. But he looked to God and God took him and God prospered him and God blessed him and he made him a judge over Israel for a period of time. 
We cannot make everything equal and everything look the same. Sin is sin. The day we stop preaching about sin, the day we make everything look like the same, we have muddled the pure waters of God and we have distorted the word of God and we have corrupted the standards of God and God will hold us accountable before him. So we must, as a church, we must understand that the purity and the sanctity of marriage is important. There is a blessing that comes to the generation of those who are godly and who live a holy life and the seed of the righteous within the bounds that God has set. And those who have children according to that will have a special blessing from God, which is true. Now the children can become like Esau and squander that and lose everything. That's up to that child. But there is this inheritance that comes from God through the line of the righteous. That's why it's so important for every believer to live a righteous life so that you have a godly seed, so that that seed can glorify God Almighty. It's very important. So when you look at David, when you look at Bathsheba, yes, Bathsheba conceived. Can we say that? Well, that conception is of the Lord and God gave that child because without God giving, you know, she couldn't have conceived. There's this principle that God established way in the Garden of Eden called conception, called multiplication. And so it happens and because of his word he spoke in the beginning of creation. How we use it is very important. Fire is fire. You can use it to cook. You can use it to burn a house down. It is important how we use the bodies that God has given. It is important how we use our minds that God has given. It is important to know that there's a consequence for everything. And it's also important to know that sometimes the consequence doesn't happen like that. But it does happen. So you look at David and you look at Bathsheba. You look at the conception. Where the child was conceived... God didn't say anything. He let the pregnancy continue. It looked like, well, God didn't do anything about it. David was fine with it. If you are in sin and if you don't see God strike you right there, sometimes he does. Like we see kings who went and touched things, touched the things of God that they shouldn't have. Or struck the prophet of God when they should not have erased their hands too. And God strikes them right there. It happens. I've known people who are, who are struck in the house of God. That's the judgment of God. It happens. It happened in the temple of God in the Old Testament. And it happened in the house of God in the New Testament where Peter was when Ananias and Sapphira happened. It happens today in the houses of God where God strikes people in the presence because the presence of God is a place of healing, not a place where you suddenly get sick or suddenly get smitten. And something happens suddenly. It's a judgment of God that is displayed in front of everybody. When something happens right in the house of God. But there are times that nothing happens. It looks like everything is fine. Until the appointed time. You see, God let this pregnancy continue. Continue. 
continue until the child was born. And then God struck the child. See that? God's judgment comes in different ways. So never think, oh, I did this today and it didn't happen tonight. And I did this, you know, yesterday and it's been one week, nothing happened. God will. God is not mocked. Sometimes he waits and he says, I need to hit hard. And so because he wants to hit hard, he waits. So never think that God waiting is for no reason. Never think that because God is waiting and the judgment of God has not fallen. That means that God is having his eyes closed. Never think that the patience of God can be taken for granted. We have to be very careful. Even the scripture that Pastor Deep read, for people to think that and to even say it with their mouth, I am unfaithful, but he's faithful. Is it a proud sentence? Is it a happy sentence? I'm unfaithful, but he is faithful. It's a shame that in many churches they teach it even to kids. What are you trying to raise? You're trying to raise crooked and perverse kids in the midst of crooked and perverse generation. Are we called to be like that? We're called to live as lights here. Unfaithfulness is all over. It's in churches. It's in homes. It's in marriages. It's all over. And now you stand up and you say, I'm unfaithful to you, Lord. I play prostitute, but you're faithful. Shame on such people. Shame on such people. It's horrible for a human being to look at God and say, I'm unfaithful to you, but you're faithful. Let your husband come and say that to you. Let your wife come and say that to you. Well, I went here to that guy. I went here to this woman and, you know, I'm unfaithful. But honey, you're so faithful. Thank you. He'll give you a hard slap on your face and say, get out. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Certain sentences shouldn't even come out of our mouth. What kind of people we are. If we say that, we can even say it through our mouth and just post it on social media. And It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's bad enough you hurt God, and then now you hurt him even more, stab him even more in the same place saying that well you're faithful i'm unfaithful you know i'm unfaithful i'll continue to be unfaithful and you be faithful and you keep blessing me is that so no no i just want to read a few verses from ezekiel let's just go there for a few minutes and i will pray. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 1. Father, I pray that the Spirit of God continue to lead us and speak to us as we meditate on your scriptures. I pray, Father, that 
a holy people, a spotless bride. May arise from amongst us, O Lord. Let a holy and spotless bride rise up from amongst us, O God. And may a people be prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, may the consciences of the people become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to God's correction. So that, Lord, while it is day, while we have time, we may not harden our hearts, but submit ourselves to God Almighty and turn from every wicked way that is abomination to God and follow him wholeheartedly. Thank you, Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? There was a man in the Bible whose name was Saul. And the Saul was an Israelite. He was someone who was seeking God. He was someone who was humble and obedient to God. And I order all the people of the, order all the people in the land of Israel. God's eyes fell on Saul when the children of Israel wanted a king which was against God's will. But even then, God said, okay, this is what you want. I'll tell you what is good and what is bad. I'll tell you what is going to help you and what is not going to help you. And if you still want it, I'll give it to you anyway. Let me tell you this. It's not going to be a blessing for us. Anytime we insist on something when God says it's not going to be a blessing for you, God will sometimes give it to us. And we can't say that, hey, I'm going to give a testimony, praise the Lord, because God gave it. I mean, it's God out of his mercy. He says, you're throwing a tantrum. Here, go, take it. Is it going to be a blessing? It's not. God was kind enough. He said, okay, even though you're foolishly asking me this, I will still try to give you the best out of this. Now, when God did that, God chose Saul. Saul was upright before God. And God said, I'm going to choose him and make him a leader of Israel. When he was little in his sight, when he was from the least of the tribe of Israel, God said, I'm going to take him. doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. God says, if I see the quality that I'm looking for, I'll pick you up from there and I'll put you where I want you to be in order to, important, understand this, fulfill the purposes of God. That's the main reason. God will place us wherever God wants us to be placed in order for us to be his agents to fulfill the will of God. 
See, the plan of salvation that began in the Garden of Eden must continue, must continue till the Messiah. And then the plan of the destruction of the enemy must take place. So God's work must continue. So when the children of Israel just threw tantrums and said, we need a king, we need a king, we need a king. Until then, God led the people of Israel through prophets and through judges. Now, when the children of Israel wanted to copy the heathen, oh, we want to dress like them, we want to talk like them, we want to act like them, we want to live like them, we want to have idols like them, we want to do things like them, we want to be 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 like them. God said, you have idols, I'll give you two enemies. You want to live like them? Go to them and see how life is. You want a king? I give you a king. But God is so good. He just didn't bring some tyrant and place him there, no. Because it was his nation. Because through this nation, Messiah has to come. He preserves the holiness and sanctity on every level. Because he is choosing now. He's looking for somebody who will be humble, who is humble, I should say. Someone who will obey, who will listen to the prophet of God that God has placed, which is prophet Samuel. No matter what king he is, he is under the prophet because the prophet is the mouth of God standing there, representing God on earth, leading the nation of Israel. So still through the prophet, the king, and now once the king comes, then God was still going to lead the nation to the prophet, but the king is placed because they want to copy the heathen. You look at Saul. He was handpicked by God when he was doing good. God's spirit was given to him to accomplish that which God called him to accomplish. Now, the word anointing is very important because God anoints people for specific tasks. It's not the one like God baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I'm anointed. God anoints whatever God gives is for a specific task. God anointed King Saul for a specific task, which was to be the king over Israel. That means to lead the nation in battle, to take care of their spiritual needs and their physical needs, to keep them in line with the will of God, according to the word of God, under God, and whichever prophet God had. Through the prophet, the king listens and executes. Before it was a prophet directly to the nation. Now there's a king there because they said, we want, we want, we want, we want, we want a king because they have, they have, they have. God is speaking to our hearts. Never try to copy anyone else. Never try to copy the heathen specially. Never try to copy the lifestyle of the heathen because they live hell's life. God says this in his word. Do not love the world, nor the things that are in this world. There's such a thing called loving this world. Apostle Paul also says the demons forsake, he forsook him because he loved the present world. He left. People who love this world, God's word says, the God of this world, he comes and he rules and they go under his lordship. They're no more under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So you have the God of this world, people who love this world. And then there are people who are friends with this world, God's word said. 
you adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with this world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of God must part with Satan, who is the enemy of God. We can't have both. We can't. We can't. It's really horrible if someone tries to do that. You know, people, I buy organic and I buy this and I buy this and all those things and then you shoot drugs also in your body. Does it make sense? No. Oh, I want to live healthy and I want to do this and I want to do that. Run on treadmill all day long and jog over here and do over there and all those things and, and smoke and drink and, and do whatever. Does it make sense? No. I have praise music on and I have worship on and, you know, I listen to whatever is on the internet and TV and radio. But you don't pick up your Bible and read. You don't go to the house of God. You don't be, you're not a doer of the word. Sound teaching is not coming into you. You don't even know the right, the difference between right and wrong. You don't even know how to distinguish. You know the children, little little ones? And they look at everyone, they think everybody's like their daddy and everybody's like their mommy. They won't know that that's a thief that's coming to kidnap them. They won't know that these are my parents' enemies. That means they are the child's enemies too. They won't know that that's a traitor. They won't know that's a molester. They won't know. No. Until they grow and they're taught to differentiate between who is good and who is bad. Even then, there are a lot of people who come and trick people and take their daughters from their homes. They act like they're very good and very funny and very comical. Meanwhile, they're abusers. How many stories have you heard? Having done many, many, many marriage counseling. What you see on the outside is not real. When you got, so trying to be popular or trying to be nice, trying to be someone who can fit in where in the world, like the world will end you in a disaster. A king or a prince trying to come and say, well, I want to live like you. You're running in the street. You're sitting over there with all the rest of the kids that are there, out there, who are wasting their time and are doing bad things. I'm a prince, but I'm in the palace all the time. I eat rich food all the time. And it, let me just go and try to pick up something from the garbage like they're doing too. That's how it is when believers, I, the things of the world. You stoop so low, so low, so low. That all of a sudden you want to copy. You want to leave the kingly food. You want to leave the king's banquet. You want to leave the king's garment. You want to leave everything that is there. Well, Hell is jealous of heaven. Well, hell is jealous of heaven. I've fallen. I've missed my place in heaven. Well, Lucifer 
is miserable because he knows that he's waiting for the lake of fire where he's going to burn forever. Many believers lose their senses, God-given spiritual senses, and go fall prostrate at the feet of Lucifer. And then they try to take scriptures to justify where they are and then have other people also take that. You have a whole bunch of people who go to church week after week after week, but they're reserved for the lake of fire. Very important for us to know. But what happened to Saul shouldn't happen to anybody here. He was handpicked by God. We can't say, well, hey, out of all of you, God picked me. And she, I'm the king now. Oh, Prophet Samuel, I know God used you in my life. But you know what? Right now I'm the king. I don't have to listen to you. You anointed me before. That's good. Stay where you are. I know what to do. See what happened to Saul. There came a point when Saul wanted to know which way to go, not to do the right thing, but to see how he can escape. It's a very miserable place to be in. When you know God's judgment is fallen and you still don't want to turn to God, but you just want to save your skin. Know that that skin will be burnt down to ashes because it is opposed to living God and doesn't want to change. The only way God will have mercy is when a person turn from their wicked ways and turn towards God and say, Lord, I've been a fool. I quit. Doing my own thing, going my own way is what the people of the world will say. But you know what? When you leave God's way, you, you are following Satan's way. When you leave God's thoughts, you are full of demonic thoughts. When you leave the blessed path of the cross, you are in the path to hell, which is a broad way. We need to understand this. But there came a point when Saul was so desperate, he went to the witch and he said, bring up prophet Samuel for me. Insanity. You go to the devil and you ask the devil to bring someone who's serving God, who was serving God, bring him up so that he can tell me something that I want to hear. Look at the height of delusion Saul went into. Look at the height of delusion Saul was in at that point. As we read Ezekiel 14, may God speak to our hearts at this hour. Anytime we come to a servant of God for something, we need to know that. I want to come because I want to do the will of God. So we see here, Ezekiel 14, God is saying, should I let them inquire me at all? Should I? They keep idols in front of them and they place a stumbling block in front of them. Who is doing that? Not even the devil. They're doing it. They're putting idols and they're putting stumbling blocks in front of them. And then after that, what are they doing? Hey, prophet, prophesy to me. I want to hear what God thinks about me. Really? If you really want to know what God thinks about you, you'll have the fear of the Lord because you know what you're doing. But it's more like 
I need to get this. I need a blessing. I need to get that. I need a blessing. Meanwhile, the idol is still there. Meanwhile, the stumbling block is still there. And God says, you're coming to me to inquire of me? Should I let them inquire of me at all? Verse 4. Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts, underline the words in their hearts, not just in their house, in their hearts, because that's where everything comes from. Rachel did that. She took her father's idol and she hid it underneath her and she sat on top of it and she lied on top of it to keep that idol. Did she just go do something to say that I'm taking this, you know, as my father's um, remembrance. I want to keep something from his house and you go for an idol? No. She had idols in her heart. She wanted that idol. Even though God was separating Jacob to bless him, to make him into Israel. Rachel was an idolater in her heart. But what did that do to her? The demon that she carried in her heart killed her. She did not go to the promised land. Just like it happened thousands of years later. Her generation, many of them, died in the wilderness without inheriting the promised land. Rachel did that, and it happened to her. She didn't complete the journey. She died on the way. You know, when something is corrupting, the plan of God and trying to corrupt the plan of God and the enemy is saying, I'm going to come through Rachel and I'm going to pollute what God wants to do. I'm going to pollute the descendants of Abraham and I'm going to pollute the plan of God. Oh, Messiah has to come. So I'm going to use Rachel and bring idols and carry the demon with them while God is bringing them out of the hands of Laban and to take them to Israel, to Canaan to the promised land. Rachel became a vehicle to execute Satan's plan. That She brought that idol and she said, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to hide it. Now I'm going to tell my husband. God who saw that, let her take it. I want you to understand the depths of sin. When God sees, he sees it. Never think that he didn't do anything when I said this and, oh, nobody knows about it. The prophet doesn't know, the pastor doesn't know, and and uh, it's fine. No. God just lets it go on for some time because he knows where he's put a period there. When she stole that idol, God saw that. When she brought that and she hid it, God saw that. When she sat on top of it, God saw that. When she lied, God saw that. Seeing all of that, God said, this is 11. This is 
a contaminant. Even though it's Jacob's wife, and a wife that he really loved, this is not going to enter into the promised land. She's not going to enter. She's going to corrupt. You bring that in, it'll come like a plague. God separated her from Joseph, who was going to be a mighty vessel of God. That her influence of idolatry may not corrupt Joseph. God said, I'll remove you. Jesus said this to his disciples. To those who were there. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven with one eye than to go to hell with both eyes. If your right arm offends you, pluck it off. Cut it off. It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven with one arm than with both arms. Is God saying literally go and, you know, take out your eye and take out your arm? No, he says, this is serious business. Do whatever you need to do. And this is what God did. Because of the corruption that was trying to enter in, he saw enter in, he said, I'm going to take that which is offending, which is corrupting, out. Even though the kids were without the mother, the little ones. Even though this man who really loved his wife is going to lose her. He said, I'm moving her out because her being here will be more dangerous than her not being here. Should have destroyed Joseph. God was over his people. Just because he waits, just because he doesn't do, just because you don't get caught right away, just because he's patient, doesn't mean that, well, he's merciful, so he's going to extend his mercy. Someone said like this, the wicked, really, are going down like the waning moon. The righteous will rise up like the waxing sun. We will see it with our own eyes. As we read this, we must understand that this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. That's what happened. When Saul came and he said, let me bring up Samuel. What happened? God spoke through Samuel and a curse fell upon Saul. Very important. You can never live in sin and try to storm arm God. Strong arm God, I should say. Never live in sin and then say that I will strong arm God and somehow get him speak and somehow I'll get a prophecy and somehow I'll get this and somehow I'll get blessed. No, you'll end up getting a curse. It's important to be true to God. So never say, I'll be unfaithful to God and he'll still be faithful. Don't even say that. Don't you even say that. What will God speak? He said, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. 
Therefore say to the people of Israel. So how is God himself speaking? How is God himself speaking to these people? This is what he's speaking through the prophet now. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent. Turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. This is what God is saying. He's not saying, oh, my sweet little darling, please stop doing, oh, no, no. That word that comes, repent, that means if you don't, something is going to follow right after that. We cannot play games with God. We need to be true to God. We need to be true to God. He's done so much. He's laid down his life for us. We need to be true to God in our life, in our words, in our actions. When any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing in Israel separate themselves from me and set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet to inquire of me, I, the Lord, will answer them myself. He's saying this again. How? I will set my face against them and make them an example and a byword. What will God do? If they don't repent, he will set his face against them. Oh, when God Almighty sets his face against someone, what will happen to that tiny, teeny human being who is less than a speck of dust? Who can stand against the Lord of hosts and who in their right mind will make God the enemy? When you have love itself in front of you, how treacherous can you be when you turn your back against that love? The love of God. And go against us, Lucifer, so wicked and cruel. I will set my face against them and make them an example and a byword. That means this is what will happen to those who are treacherous against the living God. I will remove them from my people if someone comes and says, well, if you are his son, you're his son all the time. If you're his daughter, you're his daughter all the time. He's never going to take you out of his family. He's never going to disown you. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. If you become his enemy and act like his enemy, he'll say, you're not my child. I will remove them from my people. And Jesus said this. He said about the children of Israel and he said about his people, he said, the sons of the kingdom of heaven will be taken and they will be thrown where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about who? Children. Anytime anyone will come and say, oh, God won't do that to his own children. Well, he will do it. He will do it with a vengeance. When the child becomes his enemy, and the child says, well, I'm going to take my sword and I'm going to come running against you, God. God says, well, I'll, I'll drive that right back to you. At that time, God won't say, oh, you're my child. No. He did that to Absalom, remember? Yeah. When Absalom stood up and he stood up against David, God caused him. While he ran, was hair to get caught on the tree branches. And he had someone come and execute God's judgment upon him. Absalom thought he was beyond anybody. Absalom thought he can just use God to manipulate him. 
Absalom thought he can go against God's anointed David himself. And he destroyed himself in the meantime. It's very important to be very careful. God says, I will remove them from my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When when will the people who are there will know that God is the Lord? When they see the judgment of God fall upon the rebellious, the wicked, who are right there in the midst of God's people, who are part of the people of God. It's not talking about a heathen outside. No, 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 no. Judgment begins in the house of God, God's word says. So right there when the judgment comes, then the people will know that, oh, he's the Lord. The fear of the Lord will come when they worship the Lord. It's very important. And if the prophet is enticed to utter a prophecy, and the Lord have enticed that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. They will bear their guilt. The prophet will be as guilty as the one who consults him. When someone is in sin, and they run to someone and say, oh, this is what's happening to me. And the person who hears that, they say, oh, I'll give you what you want to hear. Oh, you sweet darling. And oh, you little prince. And oh, you are going to be fine. And God has called you with a high calling. Don't you know that? And, and you know what? You are where you are. And God's mercy is right where you are. And don't fear and give all the scriptures that are opposite to what God has to say. God says, God's judgment will fall on that person also. Just as God's anger is boiling against the rebellious, those who give room and give themselves as a fortress to the rebellious, God says, both of them will get the same judgment. Very important. Very important. Because at that point, that person is speaking for Satan. To keep this person Away from God. Not giving the truth. To make this person face his sin or her sin. To repent before God Almighty. Because what did God say? I will speak when I speak. What will I speak? He'll say, repent. Repent. That's what God will say. When someone sins, when someone is living in sin, a true prophet of God will look at that person and say, you better repent or this is what's going to happen to you. That's the mouth of God. Not that don't worry. I'll take care of it. Everybody goes through this and, you know, this, this is just a condemnation and this and that. And you have a whole bunch of liars spewing lies. God is speaking at this hour. That's very important. They will bear their guilt. The prophet will be as guilty as the one who consults him. It's not talking about the real prophet of God. This is talking about those who claim themselves to be prophets and claim themselves to be servants of God, claim themselves to be believers, where people who are in sin run to them for comfort. Then the people of Israel will no longer stray from me. When? When the judgment of God falls upon both the wicked and the other wicked who actually said words supposedly from God to comfort them in their sin. When that judgment comes, then the people of Israel will no longer stray from me, nor will they defile themselves anymore with their sins. They will be my people, and I'll be their God, declares the sovereign God. The importance of God's judgment in the house of God is right here. Many scriptures are there, but the Lord brought this to me. I didn't come here bringing Ezekiel 14. No, God brought this to me as I came and sat here. 
we have to understand that the judgment of God is very important. When the judgment of God is executed, the fear of God comes in. There's a true repentance that comes. There's a true turning away from wickedness comes. And a true following after God comes. When Ananias and Sapphira were judged by God, in the hearts of God, through Peter, the apostle of God, the fear of the Lord fell upon the church. The rest of them said, oh boy, we better be careful. We better be careful. God is in our midst and that fear of the Lord has to be there. In the rest of them who are starting to play games, they'll all shape up. And they know that God is in their midst. God is speaking to our hearts today. It is very important for us to know. The fear of the Lord keeps us from falling. And there are people who will give us what we want to hear. Especially when someone is in sin, they will look for messages. They will look for people who will pacify them in their sin. Satan, who has them in the palm of his hands, will lead them towards false people. Desperately lead them towards false people. Why? Because he wants to slaughter them. He's not going to move them towards the truth. No. No. That's the reason why they go to these people. That's the reason why they run to these people. Give me something. Give me something. But when they go to the real prophets of God, they speak for God. They speak for God. They say, repent. Change. Otherwise, that's what will happen. Don't wait. Like Rachel did. Don't wait and continue in sin like Saul did. It is important to have integrity in your heart so that God will be able to bless you. You see the heart of God in this last verse. He says, I will straighten them out. He said a few verses prior to this. Can you see over here? After I execute judgment, my people will no longer stray from me. Why? Because the one who strayed, I made that person as an example. I made that person as a byword. Oh, you look at that person. Oh, those who do like that person will become like that. That's what will happen. Oh, those who live like that person will end up like that person. Oh, be careful. Anybody who tries to even veer off in that direction, every time they see that, the fear of God will strike them, keep them. From going in the direction. Then the people of Israel. Will no longer stray from me. Nor will they defile themselves. Anymore with their sins. They will be my people. And I will be. Their God. Declares the sovereign Lord. When? When they no longer stray from God. That's when they are his people. Not when they're straying and they're wandering away from him saying, he's my God still. Where are you? Somewhere else. Where are you? As long as you're with him, he's with you. As long as you're within his presence, then you can experience and enjoy every blessing, every benefit that comes from God Almighty. But the moment you begin to stray, understand that you've left the shadow of the Almighty 
God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who will actually have the privilege of staying under the shadow of the Almighty? The one who has chosen, the one who has chosen God to be his dwelling place. I've given God's word on the scripture, which says, what is your address? I encourage you to go and listen to that. That's the spirit of the Lord is bringing that to me from Psalm 91. Is God your address? Is he your dwelling place? When God wants to deliver you and take you out of Laban's hands and move you to a land of prosperity. You say, I want to go. I want to go. But while I'm going, I'll take my idol with me too. Oh no, it doesn't work that way. Rachel told Jacob, we'll go. We saw all that Laban did and we'll go. What did he, what did she do in the process? She said, I'll bring my idol too. I'll secretly bring my idol too. It doesn't work that way. Everything is bare naked before the eyes of the almighty God. Everything. Everything. God doesn't need a microscope. He doesn't need any telescope. He doesn't need any scope. Everyone's heart and the actions, their motive is just open before God. Open before God. He sees everything. So it's foolishness when a person thinks that I'll be fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. It is okay. I can still do this. I can still say, praise the Lord, pastor. And the pastor, every time, pastor sees the crook. The pastor says, praise the Lord. Does it mean that you're fine? Oh, no. You say, praise the Lord. Pastor says, praise the Lord, too. But God sees right through. That, if you know that you're in the presence of a prophet or a prophetess, be very careful. Be very careful. Gahasi got up. And he ran after Naaman. And he went and told Naaman, well, my master needs this, this. These people are coming and we need these clothing and we need all of this. And he lied and he got all these things. When he ran, Elisha didn't say, don't go. Elisha was sitting there. As if he didn't know anything. He ran and he got everything and he came. One sentence Elisha asked. Elisha didn't say, Gazi, come here. Why did he get that from Naaman? I didn't ask. He didn't say any of those things. No. Our God is smart. He's very smart. The prophet asked one question. As if he didn't know anything. Very normal tone. Normal talk. Where have you been, Gehazi? Gehazi thought this prophet who sat with his eyes closed here. Who can even know where Naaman is and bring healing to the leper? It's so dumb that he can tell this prophet that I was right here. What do you mean? When sin comes in, there's a boldness that'll come in with it. Arrogance, anger, covering up. For what? For their own destruction. There's all manifestation of the evil spirits working. 
all of a sudden, he's blind to the fact that there's a prophet right here I'm talking to. All of a sudden, whatever was there, whatever he was before that made him eligible to be Elisha's servant, to be there, right in the presence of a prophet, was all gone. 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 His arrogant speech came out of his mouth saying that, well, I was right here. What do you think? What do you mean by asking me this question? Elisha the prophet said this. Well, when you went to Naaman to get all these things, didn't my spirit go with you? That means what? Does it mean that Elisha was also going there and saying, go, 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 get, get those stuff and come now? The spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God that was upon him was revealing. This guy is gone. And he has taken what he should not have. He has lied to that person using your name. Now he's back here sitting as if he's a very good believer. But to a servant for the prophet. Oh, big privilege. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. To fall into the hands of the living God. Be very careful. Wherever you go. When you go and say. Pastor Kiribah said this. Pastor Kiribah said this. When Pastor Kiribah didn't say this. God hears it. A greater judgment will come. Be very careful. When you use the name of a prophet. And you try to go and make gain for yourself. Whatever you try to make gain for yourself will become a curse. This is a word from God Almighty. When you take the name of the Lord, the name of the servant of God, the name of a prophet or a prophetess, and take it in your mouth and go try to use it for your personal gain. Twist it and use it for your gain. Whatever you try to achieve or attain will become a curse for you. It will become a source of grief and torment for you. Remember that. It's not a light thing. What he got from Naaman, he was not even able to keep it. You know why? The judgment of God came right after that. Not just for Naaman, for his entire generation, forever. Think about that, forever. Entire, not not 30 foot, no, entire generation forever. When the judgment of God comes, it's very severe because this guy was right there in the presence of the prophet. Our church must be very careful. As you're there in the presence of God and you know the anointing of God is flowing, and you know God is working in our midst, you have to be very careful, very careful to use the name of the Lord in vain, very careful not to use the name of the Lord in vain, very careful to not use the name of your pastors and your prophet that God has placed. You have to be very careful not to use that for any personal gain because you've received much and seen much and heard much and felt much and experienced much. So the judgment of God will come in a very severe way. Don't try to manipulate anyone. Now, don't think that, well, somebody has done this and that's why Pastor Gerber is speaking. No, there's the prophetic church, you know, in my call is not to sit and prepare a message and hear what you say, what you say, what you say. I mean, I haven't been talking to anybody here. 
uh, church people. And, and nothing has come to me. Nobody has said, but the Holy Spirit is speaking at this hour. So even to think that maybe something is going on, that's why the pastor is speaking after seeing so much, it'll be foolishness, foolishness, especially if it comes from me. Remember that. The Spirit of God is speaking. There's this prophetic anointing of God that is working. You have the servants of God placed by God over here. When God moves, they come and speak. And they say certain things. A lot of times they say while it is happening or it happens or they say it before something can happen. So be careful. Be very careful. What Gehazi did, he couldn't reverse it. So never think that, well, I can ask God for forgiveness and then after that I can fix it. No, Judas couldn't fix it. And Ananias and Sapphira couldn't fix it. So never take the grace of God for granted and never be presumptuous in your sins. Never think that, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. There's something that God is bringing before us. Said you, take the word of God very seriously. God is longing to take us forward. So be careful in your dealings. Don't let your heart go after things. Don't try to use the name of God to manipulate and get things that you think you want to get because it'll become a curse for you. Don't use the servants of God's name in your mouth for your personal gain and lie because it'll become a curse for you. Whatever you try to do to hide your sin and not repent, but bring that sin into the house of God during Sundays or during weekly meetings, understand that it'll cost your soul like it did with Rachel. When you are in sin, you try to strong arm the arm of God or the servant of God. Always remember, what happened to Saul can happen to your curse can come. Be very careful. These are very important things that the Spirit of God is bringing this out. The most important thing that a person needs to do when they realize that they've missed the mark is to repent, as we just read in Ezekiel 14. God wants you to repent. Repent while it is day. But when you don't repent while it is day, and you think that you can do like what Gehazi did, do like what Saul did, do like what Ananias and Sapphira did, then there comes a place where you will not be able to repent. You will not be able to repent. Even if you feel like I want to, you will not be able to. Be very careful. If God is saying this, that means God is saying that you need to repent. Understand that. Don't send me a text after that. Have I lost my grace? Please. That's not what I'm saying here. Don't put yourself in a place where you can lose what God has given. Turn to God while it is day. Because night comes. Esau sought with tears after that. Does it mean that he was repenting? No. He said, oh, I needed this. I needed this. I need this blessing. Oh, Father, I need this blessing. But was he able to get it? No. Why? Because he sold his birthright long before that. Long before that. That opened the door for the enemy to come in. To take away what belonged to him, which was his blessing. You discarded the birthright. Because the blessing was connected to the birthright. Understand this. 
The blessing that Esau was going to, Isaac was going to bless Esau with, I'm repeat, the blessing that Isaac was going to bless Esau with was connected to Esau's birthright. It's his first son. He's eligible for the blessing. But the moment he sold his birthright to Jacob, he sold his blessing also away. So when he cried and said, I need this, I need this, oh God bless me, I need this, I need this, I need this, what happened? Did his tears do anything? No. So if someone comes and says, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can repent. Don't even buy that. A lot of people who had breath in their lungs, while they were on the face of the earth, who were in hell, who knew God once upon a time. Take the word of God very seriously. Don't be presumptuous in your walk with God. Don't dare tempt God. Jesus said this to the devil. You shall not put the Lord your God to test. Very dangerous when you try to do that. Don't do that which you should not do. The fear of God, healthy fear of God should be there. You know, when someone gets very presumptuous, that's when they become very loose with their mouth when it comes to the servants of God. Just like Gehazi went and told Elisha, well, where do you think I went? Don't you know? I was just here. That's like asking for a curse. Be very careful. Be very careful. Don't sin and don't put your place in there because Satan who moves you to sin and you partner with him will move you towards getting that curse. Be careful. When it comes to the things of God, let the fear of God be there. Whatever you do, make sure you're honest in your heart. Whatever you do, make sure that you're upright before the living God. Whatever you do, have this in your heart. I would rather die than to be treacherous before the living God. I would rather die than to lie before my God. I would rather die than to hurt the living God. You to have that. That's character. That's character. That's character. Being to have such a character. So easy for some people. So easy to sin. So easy to sin. Don't take the grace of God for granted. Because every time you presumptuously sin, you're actually telling God, I don't believe in you. Because real faith will show itself in action. True faith will show itself in action. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. If you're walking in the truth, if you're walking with God, then your actions will show that you are in the truth. Your actions will show that you're walking with God. Hey, I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God and smoking. Not me. I'm walking with God, I'm walking with God, I'm drinking. I'm walking with God, I'm doing drugs. And I'm walking with God, I'm doing this. Really? What's the meaning of walking with God? What is it? 
I'm a believer for this long. But I've been doing this. What does it mean? What does it mean? It's being like Rachel. Oh, we don't want Laban. We're going out of this place to the promised land. But I have my idol. I'll keep my idol with me. Well, Jacob won't know. We have believers like that. If you have real faith in God, you will follow him. You will not have idols in your heart. Rachel had idols in her heart, and that's why she went and touched the physical idol. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. I want to take you back to the scripture. I'm going to give you one more scripture as the Holy Spirit wants me to. And then we will go into prayer. Let's just go to verse 1 again. 14, Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 1 onwards. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? They did it to themselves. A lot of times people do things and then say, the devil made me do this. The devil made me do this. Well, the devil will say, well, I didn't do that. <laughs> you do it and you blame the devil. The devil will prompt you. Every choice is made by every human being. Satan doesn't choose for anyone and God doesn't choose for anyone. Understand that. Don't blame anyone for anything that you are doing it. When you do that, when you blame others for your sins, you're showing your dishonesty before God Almighty. After God punished David by striking his child with sickness and with death, after God sent Nathan the prophet to David, by exposing his sins before everyone. Well, David didn't say, Well, Lord, I sinned. You know I sinned. But he went and told this in front of everybody. No. What you do in secret will be brought outside, God says in his word. What David did in secret, by taking another man's wife, and secretly planning the death of her husband, God made him face the consequence for it. God sent Nathan the prophet and told David, this is what you did and you're the man. He fell flat before God. He confessed his sins before God. He even wrote it as a psalm for all generations to read. Just because he confessed his sins before God and he wrote it before everybody doesn't mean that he was left off the hook. Consequences were there. If you look at David's life because he knew the Lord so much and he opened the door for the devil. Through his line came immorality, incest, 
what he did in the secret as it was foretold as a judgment of God. His concubines were exposed in the open. Whatever he did in the secret, he knew what he did. And judgment of God came. Well, he didn't say, well, the judgment of God came and I'm doomed and that's it. No. He took the judgment of God. And what came out, because what he did was horrible. He took that. He repented. And he walked with God. And he ended up well with God. And that's why Jesus is called the son of David. He's a son of God. He's also called the son of David. David, who was a man after God's own heart, was punished severely by God. And the punishment fit his crime. But he also repented thoroughly and never did it ever again. So people who try to point out to David and say, well, David sin, David sin, David sin, and try to justify what they're doing, must understand David sinned once. David's consequences was pretty bad. Anytime you sin, understand that. Yes, God forgives. But your consequence will be bigger. It'll cost you. It will cost you. So never be presumptuous in your sins. Never think that, well, I'll sin today and tomorrow I'll ask God for forgiveness. And there are some people who go on for three, four, five days and say, I'll repent after I'm done with what I need to do. Understand that it'll affect your generation. It'll affect you. It'll affect you. And it'll affect your generation. So much murder and bloodshed, which was not there at all before that, began after that. So much of immorality. You see, even that very beloved son, Solomon, that was born to Bathsheba. And David, after that, after the first one was killed by God, even that man, you see, how he had no self-control. How he did so well at one point, but then the immorality or the lust for more just was seen all over his life to the extent that he went after Egyptian women, went after all kinds of people. And they turned his heart away from the living God. And there this man who built this great temple for God and stood in this temple and he said, Oh Lord, when people pray all over the world, when they come here, Lord, you hear their prayers and God answered him. He not only built heathen, demonic temples for his wives, but he himself went in to offer sacrifice today. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? He had no conviction of it at that point. God came to him and he spoke to him again and again. But the Bible never says that he repented. The Bible never says what he did after God spoke. We don't know. We're not going to go into that. But it's sad enough to see the end of Solomon the Great. Father said, immorality that just went down the line 
You let an immoral, immoral spirit come into you, you can repent, but always remember consequence will be there. It just goes into your generation like a wildfire. Unless those children turn to God themselves and give themselves out to God. Generation curses are not a light thing. It will stay unless people turn to God themselves and part with sin as God. This goes right along with what God spoke to us on Sunday. As I said, Sunday's message or today's message was not something that I planned to talk on. But God gave it. Just like he gave it on Sunday, right when the worship was finishing. God gave this word today. Every word that God gives to us, as we know, by now we should. It's a word from heaven. It comes from the mouth of God and through the mouth of his prophet to the ears of the people for one reason. Which is to straighten out that which is crooked, which God Almighty sees. Whoever it is and to whoever it may apply to. Take it very seriously. God will give warnings before something happens. God will give warning while something is happening. Both are true. So to whomever this may apply, that's not going to speak if it's not applying for anybody. It is applying. That's why he's speaking. Take it very seriously. Don't go after teachers who will suit your itching ears, will make you, f- who make you feel comfortable in your sin and say that, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Your pastors are too legalistic. And, oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. No. It's a place where the Spirit of God is working. We're here to see life and not death. We are here to see Jesus magnified. We're here to see the kingdom of God descend into every single person here. It is in our midst, in an unmistakable manner. But it has to come into every single body. That no hint of immorality should be there. No hint of idolatry should be there, whichever form it may be. We cannot hold on to God and say, Lord, I want to go to the promised land. Lord, I want your blessings. I want all of this and then have idol in our hearts. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. These men have set up idols in their hearts and put stumbling blocks before their faces. Who did it? They did it themselves. There are people who say, Lord, there's a war between you and me. Lord, I can't feel it. I can't do it. I don't know what to take. I say, what? You did it. Pull it out. Take away that idol and remove the stumbling blocks. Do what you have to do, which is to repent. Repent. Should I let them inquire of me at all? While you are like this, while you're in an unrepentant state, you expect that God will come and speak to you. Well, if, if the pastor knows that I'm living an ungodly life, then the pastor will call me. That means the pastor doesn't know. Well, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to understand. God is God. 
If you are presumptuously doing, God will not speak. God will not send his servant to you. God will not speak to you. God will withhold. Because at that point, I'll be like throwing pearl in front of the swine. You need to clean up your act and you need to sit up and you need to plead with God to repent. And then God will send. David was not somebody who was doing the same thing over and over again. No, it wasn't the first time. God sent Nathan to him. God struck his child. His generation suffered. To understand that. To understand that. Because there's a delay in the punishment doesn't mean that, oh, he's waiting. He doesn't know. He can't see. Because Gehazi thought, oh, well, Elijah, Elisha couldn't see and I went and got all these things and he doesn't know and I can boldly say whatever I want to say from my mouth. It doesn't mean that. He was not, he was just a few minutes away from eternal destruction. The fear of the Lord has to be there. The fear of the Lord has to be there. The fear of the Lord has to be there. May God drill this into our spirits. The fear of the Lord will go straight into your heart. You don't take the grace of God for granted. You don't take the things of God lightly. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts, they set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet. I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. May this scripture speak to you and stay with you for the rest of your lives. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have deserted me for their idols. What is he going to do? What is he going to do to recapture their hearts? Judgment of God is coming. He says, repent. You're going to face the judgment of God. The fear of the Lord. He says, I'm going to make sure I bring the fear of the Lord among my people. So they know where they are and turn towards God. Turn away from their wicked ways. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, and then he's speaking through the prophet, the same people. He said, I'm going to directly deal with them. And he's dealing with them through the prophet of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent, turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. I'm going to stop here for a minute before we close. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. No. Repentance is saying, I'm sorry, and turning away from your idols and throwing away everything, renouncing your detestable practice. That means you do not step to that side ever again. Throw everything and do not go to that side. You renounce everything that you need to. And a fear of the Lord will cause that to happen. When any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing in Israel separate themselves from me, oh, understand this. If you go after an idol, you're separating yourself from the living God. When you go after an idol, you are separating yourself from the living God. There's no partnership there. God's word says, your body cannot be the temple of God and the temple of demons. 
Can't say I have idols. And well, I'm with God. I'm one with God. No. You separate yourself from God. The moment your heart is going after an idol, you separate yourself from God and you go after the idol. You become an idolater. You become someone who belongs to Lucifer. Understand this. If nobody has ever told you, hear it today. We've said this many times here through the Spirit of God. We have to understand. In order to be with God, you have to be idol-free. In order to be with God and say, I'm on the Lord's side, you have to be idol-free. Don't keep anything that God hates in your heart, in your house. Then go to a prophet and inquire of me. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. I'm reading from verse 8 onwards now. I'll set my face against them and make them an example and a byword. I'll remove them from my people. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. Verse 7 and 8, I'm going to read again. When any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing in Israel separate themselves from me and set up idols in their hearts. He's talking about, he says, foreigners residing in Israel. That means people who came into Israel and people who say that we want the Lord and they become an Israelite. They're foreigners, but they have like Rahab. Such people, if they revert back to where they came from, by departing from God, God says, and then they say, let me go to the prophet and, and hear from him what he would say. This is what God says he'll do. I'll set my face against them and make them an example and a byword. I'll remove them from my people. You remove yourself from God, he'll remove you from the people of God. Because the people of God are a people of God as long as you have God over them. But you leave God and you try to sit over here and try to see how much I can get while you are detached from him. He'll say, oh no, you can't be here. I'll take you out. It's like in the womb. As long as the baby is connected to the placenta, then the baby stays in the body. But once that placenta is off, the baby has to be out of that body. Otherwise, it becomes toxic to the mother. Once the child is dead, it cannot live in there. It needs to be removed from the body. Otherwise, it will become toxic to the mother. If a person detaches himself or herself from the living God, and they're still in the house of God. They'll become toxic to the house of God. They'll become toxic to the body of God. And that's what God says. I will take them. I'll remove them from my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God is speaking to our hearts. He does all these things out of love for his people. To keep his people pollution-free, safe and healthy and alive so that they can be his spotless bride and meet with him on that day. I want to take you to one scripture, as I said before, and we will conclude for tonight. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
pause right here. Yeah, a lot of people read, therefore there's now no condemnation, period. No, no, no. That's not the full verse. Verse one is, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in him. If you cut yourself off of that relationship with God Almighty, if you detach yourself from him, you're no longer in him. And you are set for condemnation. Understand this. As long as you're in him, as long as you're connected to him, that means you're connected to him minus idols. There's no such thing as I'm connected to him and I have the idols. So that's what we saw in Ezekiel 14. Many, many more scriptures that I can show you, but this is where God is leading us tonight. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That means you're connected to him, void of idols. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of God given by God to you. He has set you free. He has detached you from the law of sin and death. What is that? It's the whole principle itself. The power of sin and death has been taken away from you. If the power of sin and death is taken away from you, how will you have the power to sin? Unless you go back to it. Unless you open the door for it. You can open the door for it. You can go to it and you can partner with it. When you open the door to evil, evil will enter into you full force. Only those who are in Christ Jesus and who's void of idols are not condemned. So nobody should be taking the scripture and saying that, well, there's no more, no condemnation. And for who? Who? Not for the guilty. God will never say that there's no condemnation for the guilty. No, there's no condemnation for those who have been set free. And they're staying free. They are walking in his path and they are in Christ. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by flesh. God did send, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What Christ did on the cross becomes active and alive in us when? Read this. If you don't read verse 4 and if you don't read verse 1 properly, the way the spirit of the Lord wants you to, simple English, if you don't read it properly, you can become a heretic. Understand this. Half a degree direction change will lead you into a totally different end point, destination. Being on point with the word of God is very important. Being on point with your Bible reading is very important. The spirit of God has to give you the revelation as you read, but he's not giving you some extra biblical revelation. It's all right there. Very simple, very easy. It's all right there. What is God saying here? He's not saying that all oh, the law is useless. No. He's saying because of the weakness of your flesh, because your flesh is not strong enough. Jesus said this to his disciples. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That means you are not strong in your flesh. That means your, your will is not strong enough. The spirit man knows what is 
the right thing to do, but the body is, oh, I don't feel like doing. There are people who go by their feelings. They know it's the time to pray. They know they have to read and pray. That's the spirit, man. But then the body will say, well, I'll read tomorrow. I'll do this and I'll get up and go clean and I'll go and do it. What is that? That's the weak flesh. The flesh will be dominated by the spirit man if that spirit man is fed really good and the flesh is really strong. Try to have a weak, sick horse pull a carriage. See what will happen. You need to have strength. Your spirit has to be strong. The spirit is willing, but is the spirit strong? Your spirit has to be strong enough. Your spirit is strong. It's going to get your flesh in order. But if your spirit is not strong, if your spirit is weak, it's going to say, I want to do what I want to do, but I want to do the right thing and I'm not able to do the right thing and I'm able to do the wrong thing. And what is happening here? Your spirit is really weak. Those who have weak in the immune system will get sick with every sickness that is out there. But if your immune system is strong, it's going to knock out anything that comes. And it'll fight whatever tries to enter in. And lodge permanently. They'll fight it out. God is speaking to our hearts today. Don't give room for excuses. Demonic excuses. Know that God has called you with a higher call. Know that God has called you to be more than a conqueror. He's actually given you that status. Don't forfeit it. Don't forfeit it. He's given you everything that you need. He has put to death the law of sin and death. God has given that. But are you appropriating it? Are you making use of it? Are you walking in it? God is speaking to our hearts of desire. Are you walking in it? Are you walking in the freedom that God has given? By truly believing it and by obeying his word. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Because you weren't strong enough. Well, the law really worked well in Daniel because his flesh was strong. The law really worked well in Elizabeth and Zacharias because their flesh was strong, their spirit was strong, and they did the will of God in their bodies, in their minds, in their soul, in their spirit. They served God. Well, the law of God was strong in David's heart as long as he did not open the door to the devil. He was doing really well. He was able to say, I'm living an upright life before God Almighty. While the law of God was doing well and strong in Samuel's life, prophet Samuel. Yes, the law of God works really well in all those people. Yes, in the prophets of God, in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you have a whole bunch of people. It worked really well. But on the whole, there are people who are weak in flesh. And because of that, they're not able to keep the law because they have not lived an obedient life. They didn't have the faith that will actually activate the strength of God. In the Old Testament, you need faith to keep the law. In the New Testament, you need to have faith to keep his word. Same thing. Nothing different. It's the exact same thing. By faith, Noah lived a righteous life. By faith, Job lived a righteous life. By faith, Joseph lived a righteous life. By faith, Daniel lived a righteous life. By faith, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego lived righteous lives. By faith in God Almighty. Elizabeth and Zacharias lived an upright life before God. Yes, by faith. It really worked well in them. 
but in the lives of those who are really weak, weak in the immune system, they get sick often. Because their immune system is weak. Can you just say that those who are doing well are also sick? No. That's where the big mistake comes in. Lucifer sees, oh, I can actually bring this erroneous teaching in. Nobody can keep it. Well, if you say nobody can keep it, you have to rip the pages out of the Bible where it says, of all those who were able to keep it. You have a whole bunch in Hebrews 11 and and a bunch more, many more throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So God says this, who are the people? Jesus Christ came and took away the animal sacrifice away and he's given us his power. And who are the ones who will be able to appropriate what Christ did on the cross of Calvary? Just Let's just read Verse 4, in order for that righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, might be fulfilled or fully met in us, we should not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's what it means. In whose body, in whose life will what Christ did on the cross will really become real, will really become active in our life. In whose, whose body, in whose spirit? In the lives of those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to live according to the spirit of God. When you live according to the spirit of God, then this body also gets in tune with it. Because the spirit is not something doing something somewhere and the body is doing something. No, no, no. It has to be in sync. Your spirit, soul, and body, the Bible says, should be blameless before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. All three must be sanctified. So in order for that to happen, your spirit man has to be strong. It has to pull everything together. When the spirit is strengthened, then your body is strengthened, and your mind is strengthened, your everything is strengthened. And whatever you do, you'll be doing in accordance to the word of God, according to the will of God. Now, let's read verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Read it again. Those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on what their flesh desires. So the mind plays a big part in your spiritual living or in your spiritual dying. Those who live according to the flesh, they're earthly minded people always, always think of the world. Everything that they do, the mind is like on the things of the world. What is God saying there? Will they be able to be strong in the spirit? No. But on the contrary, those who live in accordance with the spirit, the spirit of God, have set their minds on what the spirit desires. So there is this mind that is programmed, that has been tuned towards the spirit of God. If that mind must take everything that God puts in and brings the spirit and the body in alignment with God Almighty. That needs to happen. You need to focus and focus and refocus. It's important. If you don't focus, if you don't set your mind on things above, but you occupy and preoccupy yourself with the cares of the world, as Jesus said, I'll choke the life out of you. It will. But those who set their minds 
on what the spirit desires. So in order for you to set your mind to what spirit desires, what do you do? So you sit and do the yoga and meditation over sit and say, oh, let me see, what does the spirit desire? Let me close my eyes and see. Oh, spirit, show me what you desire. No, no. Whatever the spirit desires is in his word. It's in his word. Those who don't give priority to the word of God are those who will be easily led astray. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. If your mind is dominated by whatever you see, whatever you hear, whatever you feel, whatever you touch, but it's not governed by God Almighty, then God says, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. That's the truth. If you want to make it, you need to have a shift in your mind. It's important. The mind needs to be dominated by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is a spirit of peace. And it's his life. He'll cause you to flourish. He'll cause you to blossom. He'll cause you to go to greater heights. If you give your mind over to the Spirit of God. And then... God will cause you to thrive. So giving your mind over to the Spirit of God is not, I said, a few minutes ago. It's not sitting and meditating, saying, I'm giving my mind to the Spirit of God, or you know, sit over there and not reading a Bible and just, you know, keep saying, Lord, I'm meditating. Let your Spirit show me what your will is. Let your Spirit show me what your will is. One, let your Spirit show me what your will. Two, let your Spirit show me. The three, that's 49, let your Spirit show me what you will. Sitting over there in the same position, demons will come and begin to talk. That's the truth. Give yourself over to the word of God. Let the spirit of God lead you through his word. It has to change you. The spirit of God leading you through his word is not that, well, I got a new revelation, I can go preach. No, it has to change you. Well, I got a new revelation, I read this and I'm so excited. Let me see who I can call and talk to. Oh, no. At that point, you haven't taken your food in. It's like, I got the food, let me take it to somebody. Meanwhile, you haven't eaten. Be careful. Make sure you're in the straight and narrow path. Make sure you go to God to receive for yourself so that you can change on the inside. The inner man has to be renewed day by day. There has to be a change that needs to take place. Sit down so that you can shut down everything and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit by taking his word in your hands. Don't bring busyness as an excuse. You will deprive yourself of everything that God has for you. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That's not good. Let me just take you to verse 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Oh, that's a big problem right there. If you think that I can have some flesh and I can some God, that's not a problem. Oh no, it's hostile to God. The mind that is not dominated by the spirit, but is dominated by the flesh, it's hostile. That means it's coming forcefully, fiercely against God, the things of God. Oh, how important it is to have this mind governed by the spirit of God. How important it is. For to have our minds governed by the Spirit of God, how important it is. So that you don't become his enemy. 
Can it happen? Absolutely. Before you know it can happen. Your actions and your words will go against God without you even knowing. Because just opened your floodgates to the demonic realm by partnering with the works of the flesh. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You can't. You put yourself in a place where you can't. Why? Because your mind has been given over to something else other than God. Those who are ill in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I mean, if you're hostile to God, how can you please God? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. Oh, important. The verse didn't stop with the period there. However, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the spirit. Period. Hallelujah. No. It is for someone. It is for someone who's doing something. Who are not in the realm of the flesh, who are in the realm of the spirit. And indeed, the spirit of God lives in you. You need to be a habitation for the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. In order for that to happen, God has to be with you. In order for, for that to happen, no idol should be in your heart. You can't have God. You can't have idols. Together with the Spirit of God doesn't work that way. I don't care who says what. That's not what God's word says. It's not practically possible. It's spiritually impossible. We need to know the word of God. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. doesn't matter who says, oh, well, um, I, for 30, 40, 50 years ago, I gave my heart to God and I gave this many tracks and I went to the, you know, town of this and I went and did that and I went this and the, you can say whatever you want to. Is your mind given over to God? Is the spirit of God living inside of you? Don't say, oh, is the spirit of God living inside of me when you're doing things that do not please God. Because the spirit of Christ will not lead you to doing what you are doing. Some other spirit is there. Samson did not know that the spirit of God left him a long time ago. Saul too. You know. You know. Don't wait until that happens. It's important to make sure that God is with me. It's important to make sure that God is here. It's important to make sure that I am with him. It's important to make sure that my mind has been given over to God 24-7. It's important to know that my mind has been strengthened by God and it just pulls the flesh into doing what God wants me to do in my spirit, my body, and my mind. Serve God. We serve God and God alone. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Even though this body is a mortal body, even though this body will get, will go to the grave one day because sin entered in, death entered in. God told Adam and Eve, death has entered in. 
But because of Jesus Christ, God's life reigns over our bodies. While we're alive, we live and not die. There is this change that takes place in the lives of all those who have yielded themselves, their bodies, to God Almighty. So in that body where death should be reigning, something else is happening because of Jesus Christ living inside of us. Life is there in every part of our being. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, that means we'll all die one day, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. We live unto Him every single day, and a body is dominated by God. There's life that is flowing through our bodies. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives inside of you. It's so beautiful. If we live our lives God's way, God will raise us from the dead. Once we're dead and gone, the Spirit of God will raise our bodies up. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Learn to honor God with your bodies. Learn to honor God with your minds. Because your mind is very important, and that mind will take your body to where it needs to be. The flesh will serve God. Your flesh should serve God. Your body should serve God. Your emotion should serve God. Your mind should serve God. Your spirit should serve God. You, the total you, should serve God. That's God's will for you. And there's no chamber, no compartment in your body should be a place for demons like Rachel did. Well, she didn't have idols here, idols there, idol there. No, she had idols underneath her and she sat and that killed her. No part of your body should have anything to do with idolatry, spiritual idolatry, adultery, spiritual adultery, emotional adultery, mental adultery is deadly. Understand that. It's not just, oh, I didn't physically do anything. Is your mind pure? Are your eyes pure? Mental adultery, emotional adultery is as deadly as physical adultery. Jesus has talked about that. Keep your spirit blameless. Keep your soul blameless. Keep your body blameless before God Almighty. Then see what God will do for you. Then see what God will do in you. Then see what God will do through you. Therefore, brothers and sisters... We have an obligation that it's not to the flesh, but to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. There's work for you to do. Those who give their minds over to God and the spirit of God leads their mind. They take what the Lord is leading you to do and put to death every action, every emotion, every behavior, everything that comes contrary to the word of God. Put to death. Put it to death. You do that. Make sure you do that. But those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. There is the period right there. Who are God's children? Not say, Lord, Jesus come into my heart and uh, uh, change my life and I give myself to you. I believe that you died on the cross. You did. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that. Yes, you did. And I believe that um, all the blessings are for me through the benefits of the cross. Yes, I believe that. And, uh, and go back doing the same thing. They're not the children of God. 
those who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the children of God. That means I give myself over to God today and say, God, forgive me. As we read in Ezekiel 14, I repent for my sins, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, make me clean. And I really detest all the things that I did. I'm not going to do it again. And then after you finish praying, you make sure that you're going to visit all the stuff that you did. I'm not telling you go back to those places, no. But visit in your memory lane all the sins that you've done and thoroughly repent and say, I want to close the door to this. I want to close the door to this. I want to close the door to this. And that's what repentance is, as God said in the book of Ezekiel. You turn yourself away from everything that is detestable to God. That's what repentance is. Somebody says that, well, God is not asking you to clean up yourself and come to him. Well, he's telling you to come to God and tell God you're going to clean up and go clean up. That's what God is saying. God never says, well, you come the way as you are and you continue to come the way as you are. And just as I am, I come to you, Lord. No, 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 no. That's not the biblical God who has presented the biblical salvation. No, no. Repentance is relinquishing, leaving your sins behind. That's what repentance is. It's important. That's when the spirit of God will dominate your bodies. If your bodies and your minds are dominated by the spirit of God, you will not do what God hates. You will not do what God hates. Where is the power? Is your Jesus dead? Is he dead? Do you really have Jesus inside of you? Are you worshiping a dead Jesus, a powerless Jesus who said, I have all power. Oh, to pull down all the strongholds, he's given you the power. Do you, do you really have anything? It's your life changing. There has to be a work of sanctification that is taking place. That means whatever you did before, there has to be a turnaround and a change. A change. God is not saying, well, you got saved today. And so after this, you're 100% perfect, perfect. And after this, you're never going to get upset. And you're never going to, that's not what God is saying. Presumptuous sins, such as adultery, stealing, drugs, alcohol, immorality, and all kinds of malicious behavior, witchcraft, and all those things need to be put away. And as you let the Spirit of God dominate your life, anger will leave. If you're still 30 years a Christian and still angry like how you're 30 years before, something is wrong with you. Your nature has to change. As you walk with God, if your vocabulary is the same like how you were six months ago, even if you are a new believer and you're still cursing, something's wrong with you. Make sure you clean up that mouth. Certain things must go. You need to have that fear to say, I'm not going to, because you know, whoever curses, they know how to go stand before the judge in the courtroom and shut up and not speak a curse word. Yeah. They know they can do that. They know they can do that. They can speak 10 curse words in one sentence, but when they go before a judge, they know how to shut up and not say a word. Oh, God has given men the ability to have self-control. Yes. So don't you come and say that, wow, God has to somehow deliver me from that. Well, God says, do it. What you need to do, you do. And when God sees you sincerely going after him, he will come and give you the power to do what you cannot do. Put to death is God's command to you. You put to death that which you need to put to death in order for you to live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Information, God says. Information for you. 
If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Okay? If you go across that cliff, and if you throw yourself down, you will die. Are you going to cry away? Oh, Lord, I'm condemned. I can't even get past the cliff. And this pastor says that if you throw yourself off the cliff, that you're going to die. I don't want to go there. I want to go to a church where they say, even if you throw out the cliff, God will somehow carry you. His angels will carry you. Wow. They can say all they want, but they are lying to you. When you throw out that cliff, you will die. That's the truth. You're not going to live. No angel will come and carry somebody who presumptuously throws themselves off the cliff. God is speaking at this hour. God is speaking at this hour. Take the word of God seriously. Only those who are led by the spirit of God. That means only those who are led by God and who are following him. They are the children of God. You want to know who? Are truly God's children? Not everyone who says, I'm a child of God. You're all children of God. We're all children of God. Oh, no, 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 no. He knows who are his true children. He knows them by their names. He answers them when they call out to him. No drunkard, no, no drunkard, no immoral person, no sexually vile person, no vile person, no whoremonger, no Soothsayer, no sorcerer, no liar, no one who makes a lie, believes and makes a lie. No angry person, person full of wrath, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, says God's word. So the point we can't say that. Wow, I have a cigarette in my hand and I say, I'm a child of God. No, you're a child of the devil. You're not a child of God. If you get mad at me for saying that, that's fine. I'll take it. Happily take it because I've spoken the truth before God. You destroy your body and call yourself a child of God. No, the spirit of God is not leading you to cigarettes. The spirit of God is not leading you to drugs. The spirit of God is not leading you to pornography. The spirit of God is not leading you to anything vile and immoral. The spirit of God is not leading you to be an angry person. Spirit of God doesn't lead a person into sin. The Spirit of God leads people to righteousness. The Spirit of God leads people to holiness. The Spirit of God leads people to making them become just like Jesus. Think about that. Little you look like little Jesus. You know, don't you feel happy when you look at your child and your child looks like you? I mean, if you're a good person. God will be pleased when he sees his image. I mean, we as human beings, we're like the flowers and the grass of the field. They're there today and tomorrow gone. But he says, I'll give you the image of Jesus Christ. I'll give you the image of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. The image that Satan marred in the garden, garden of Eden. God says, I'm going to not only restore that, restore to a place better than before. So I'm going to give you the image of Jesus Christ. God is speaking to a heart today. May the Spirit of God do a deeper work in the lives of every single person. Let the Spirit of God do a deeper work in the life of every single person. Every single one. As we close our eyes and look to the Lord. May the Holy Spirit draw you ever more close to God. Give yourself to God. 
Give yourself to God this time. Thank you, Jesus. God is doing the work of sanctification at the Salah. God is doing the work of sanctification at the Salah. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that everything is fine when it's not. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that everything will be okay when it, when it will not be okay if you don't do your part. God is speaking today in this hour to repent and set things right before God Almighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, Father. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. As we are in the presence of God, give yourself over to God wholeheartedly. Tell the Lord, Lord, you've spoken to me today. Whatever applies to me, I'm going to take it and I'm going to work on it. Hallelujah. Bring out everything. Bring out everything. Bring out everything that is unclean. Bring out everything. Bring out everything. Bring out Sweep out everything. Sweep out everything. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this time in your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for bringing your truth before us. The truth that can set a man or a woman free. The truth of God that changes the hearts of people. The truth of God. Oh, it's the truth of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your truth that you gave to us this day. I pray may this truth to do a deeper work in the lives of your people. I come against all the forces of darkness and every demonic spirit that is warring against the hearts, minds, and bodies of your people. I bind them in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. May the word of God that you've given to your people, O oh Lord, may do a deeper work of cleansing in the name of Jesus. May do a deeper work of cleansing in the name of Jesus. May do a deeper work of cleansing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. O oh Lord, that each may be spotless, blameless before the living God. That they may be able to stand upright, O oh Lord, as they continue to walk. May the Spirit of God strengthen their minds, strengthen their bodies, strengthen their souls in Jesus' name. Strengthen their spirits, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. O oh Lord, that they may live lives that are pleasing to you. That you may rejoice in what you have accomplished this day. Their hearts may be won over to the living God. Thank you, I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be to God. I'm going to pronounce the benediction. Thank you, Father. Praise yes. Praise God. I just want to share scripture. So we have the backup for what we heard. First John 3, 7 to 10. First John 3, 7 to 10. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does what is righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. This is the way you know who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever doesn't do what is righteous is not from God nor is he that doesn't love his brother. So, and as Kevin said earlier, that you can't have a cigarette in your mouth and say, I love God, God knows me, he knows my heart, I belong to God. The scriptures are very clear right here. Whoever commits sin is of the devil. Just like we highlighted the uh, passages from Timothy and also explained Psalm 18 and as Kevin explained all about um righteousness and belonging to God and the examples of Saul and David when David veered off and how important it is not to be like Rachel who is just miles away from the promised land just miles away she didn't make it she came all the way but she didn't make it so it's a very sobering thing and here's the scriptures here are the scriptures so that you never get confused again and never believe a lie from anyone, no matter who it is. It could be a pastor, it could be a so-called prophet, or a Christian brother, friend, your family members, commentaries you read, messages on YouTube. Know that when somebody says you can commit sin and you can still love God, they're deceiving you. Little children, let no one deceive you. 
the Holy Spirit says in First John 3, 7 to 10. Whoever does what is righteous is righteous, even as God is righteous. The one that commits sin is of the devil because the devil sins from the beginning. This is the reason the Son of God was manifested or came into the world, that he might destroy the misdeeds, the rebellion, the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Look at how many times he says, in this, the children of God are manifest. You can know who belong to God and who belong to the devil. Whoever, again, whoever doesn't do what is righteous right before God doesn't belong to God. Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you. The truth, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. This is not just topics, Lord, hot topics to preach and to have a shock in our system and something interesting and something novel. Lord, we fear you. And we will live by your word because your word is life. Each one of us is responsible to the word we've heard today. It's come so clearly, Lord. Thank you that we're here today. Feasting at your table. To receive the very food that will protect us. The ultimate vaccine against all of the devil's diseases, spiritual diseases that he's plagued people with. Your word. Father, I pray that each one would have a desperate hunger for your word and say, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick up the Bible and refuse to believe the lie from the devil that I can't understand it. Because there is the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who's been speaking here through God's service and who will be with anyone who sincerely goes to God and says, Lord, would you show me again? Lord, would you show me? Would you teach me more? The author is still alive. He'll always be alive. We have the ability to contact the author and have him come to our house and teach us what he meant by what he wrote. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord. You're preparing an army. You're preparing a bride. And Lord, time is passing so quickly. We thought just yesterday we were 18 years old. Here we are, 40, 50, 60. And Lord, before we know it, we'll have to stand before you. Help us, Lord. As the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5, don't live as fools. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Lord, help us to be like the five wise virgins. Two, get close as we can to you, Lord. To become just like you. So that we'll be unashamed when you appear. Or when we have to go to be with you before you come down. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Because you are so good. You tell us the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I pray, Lord, that no one here would say, I love the teaching. And it hasn't put into practice. Help us to always remember fellowship with you means walking in the light as you're in the light. Only then can we have fellowship with believers. Otherwise, we'll be in the church, as we heard in the message, detached from you. And you will remove, as you always do, because you care for the people who really love you. You want to protect them. I pray that everyone who has heard this message would be in the beloved by keeping your word. 
Thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. 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 God bless you.